Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here's an Indie Blues double shot from our featured artist today, The Groove Crew, featuring Nick Daniels. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs.
featuring Nick Daniels in their brand new release. And we've got Nick Daniels on the line right now. Hey, Nick, how you doing? I'm fine, Rich. How you been, brother? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Now, this is the first time you've been on our show, and we always like to give our fans the opportunity to get to know who you are as an artist. And the best way to do that is through your journey, how you got to where you are today. So give us the story of Nick Daniels. Okay. Um, to, to be a sh- I'm going to try to be, you know, not so long with this. <laughs> um, grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, at the age of four, uh, no, at at the age of five, when I, my first real remembering, you know, something as a kid was, was a Mardi Gras parade. And I was on my father's shoulder and, you know, he had me up there and I could see everything. And I was like, and I'm saying to myself, as I see it, what is this? (laughs) You know, Mardi Gras parade marching bands, you know, the whole night. And I'm I'm five years old. And I remember printing when I saw, every time I saw the band, a marching band, I remember printing at it. And I remember what I was thinking. I, I, I want to do that. And uh, I had no idea what that was at that time, but I just, it, it, it attracted me. I liked it. I like, I, I liked it. So, in fourth grade, uh, they started a new program in the class and said, is there anybody interested in playing an instrumental instrument? And I'm like, I raised my hand. Okay. I started playing music ever since. Cool. I, I started off playing drums. Um, and I got in, in junior high, I started playing congos and bongos and things like that, percussion instruments like that. And uh, when I got in high school, there was a local band in my neighborhood. I I brought my bongos to the rehearsal, and said, "Could I play with y'all?" They said, "I don't know," <laughs> you know. And uh, they started playing songs, and I started playing along with them, and they like it. And the next thing you know, I'm in the band. Okay. So. Now, let's talk a little bit about this current release. What was the goal for this release? What were you looking to achieve? Okay, now I'm just I'm just gonna be real right here with you. Okay. Um, most of these songs were already kind of done when I got involved with this project. Okay, and and uh, through another friend that Rex knows, he was telling Rex, "Man, y'all think you need to? There's one, there's one guy, man, that I know of that could could come right in and and knock these songs right out the park, man. That's he." He said, that's Nick Danger third, man. He, he could do it. And he said, who? And so some kind of way they got my number and they called me and asked me, would I be interested in getting involved with the project? And that's how I got on the project. I started singing. I sung one of the songs. No, I sung two of the songs. No, I think it was three. Three songs that I re- originally recorded with them. They liked them so much that they asked me, hey, man, would you, you know, would you do a CD with us? And I said, well, of course. So that's how it happened. Okay. And a, a few of the songs I played bass on 
you know, I started playing bass in 1976 while singing with a singing group, and that's how I got into the bass. That was kind of like an accident. I, call, I consider myself sometimes an accidental bass player because of how it happened, you know. I was I was with the singing group, and we were going to rehearsal, and uh, the next thing I know, the, the, the full band that was, you know, working with us wasn't there. The drummer was setting up his equipment and the bass player was playing by himself, but he was playing and plucking and popping the bass. And I walked straight up to him. I'm like, what is that? What kind of bass style is that? And he said, man, it's that Larry Graham stuff, man. I said, man, I like it. Show it to me. He said, I can't show you this. Nick. I said, man, show it to me. man." And he tried to show it to me and I couldn't catch it. But I went and bought a bass and the amp and just kept doing it. Well, I tell Next you, thing I know I'm playing. Yeah, well, I tell you, the bass—that's one instrument you know you'll never starve if you play. You know. <laughs> yeah, but 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 in '76, I, I'm, I was not thinking that at all. I was thinking of of how he was making the bass sound. I'm like, wow, I want to learn how to do that, and uh, I just kept playing and kept playing and. Eventually, I started doing sort of like what he was doing, but in my own way, in my way, you know, because that's what makes music great. If we all heard it the same way, it'd be boring. And and, and I'd start playing the bass to my interpretation of what the way I thought it should have went. So that's how I learned how to play the bass. Okay. Now, you know, I got to ask you this. I mean, New Orleans is, is really has been taking the hit, especially over the last 10 years or so between, you know, Hurricane Katrina and then, of course, the pandemic. How is the city bouncing back now? How is what what is the state of New Orleans as far as a music industry? That's a great question. Um, I live in Austin, Texas now. Okay. I've been here since Hurricane Katrina. The band I play with all the time is Dumpster Funk. Mm -hmm. But, I, you know, I always travel back and forth to New Orleans because of the band. Uh, the, the, the industry is changing in the New Orleans a little bit. Things are getting better. But each storm that comes through, it just, you know, it tears a little bit of the city up. It just... You know, you t it, Katrina, 250,000 people were displaced, never came back. Right. 250,000. So that's like the culture of a city when you, that many, when it's that many people. So I think the city lost a lot during that Katrina. And, and then after Katrina, there was a gentrification that went on and, Last year, I had a hit, and it's the same sort of thing. It's sad, but I mean, it's, it, but the city, m musically on the industry side, it's, it's getting slightly better. The great acts from New Orleans that did real great this year, John Baptiste, right? Uh, uh, you know, P.J. Martin, Trombone Shorty, uh, and Tank and the Bengals, uh, the Big Frida. There's uh, so many acts, uh, Galactic. The band I'm with, Dumpster Farm, Soul Rebels, the Dirty Dozens. It, it things are looking good for all of these acts. Okay, 
Well, I, you know, because I'm always curious how that how the industry is faring with, you know, all the ups and downs that are going on. I mean, even in Austin, Texas, I mean, is Sixth Street still, you know, that packed uh, aisle of, of, of bodies that go and listen to live music? Or is it kind of calmed down a little bit? I don't ever get a chance to get in that scene. Okay. I'm on the road so much with dumpster funk that when I do come home, all I want is either the couch or the bed, <laughs> you know, and try to rest up as much as possible. I don't get into this local scene here, and I've been here. Uh, this September will be 17 years since I've been here, and I rarely, or barely, goes, you know, to Sixth Street or hear other people play. I'm so I'm so worn out from the road. I just want to rest, you know. Okay. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about going into the studio. You know, um, having great songs and, and you know, and, and having good material, you know, that's one thing. But going into the studio creates your sound, either with Dumpster Funk or the Groove Crew. Um, what do you like to do when you get in that environment that helps you get the sound you're looking for? Um, do you like to do it live? Do you like to track it? What's kind of your your way of working in that environment? Well, when when you're doing live, you know, you, the people involved, so you're giving the energy out, and you and you're getting energy back, and and that's that's there's nothing like that. But in the studio, you have to create that energy. You're putting that energy on tape, you know, and you have to, you know, sometimes you can't do what you do live in the studio. You it's just, you know, sometimes more is less, or less is more. Right. You know, it all it all depends on the song and the vibe of that song. So I I like to you know when I'm working in the studio with anyone or uh, myself, or I, I listen to the song and 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 I'm being asked to, to play some bass on it. I, I you know I'll listen to it and I'll put myself in it. And and the key in the studio is to is to not to overdo it. You know, so less is more. You know, so uh, studio is a it's a whole different animal than a live performance. I, I love both both areas, of, both aspects of that part of the music. I love recording and I love live. Okay, now um, let's talk a little bit about the industry itself. Um, you know, even in New Orleans, Austin, over the last 20 years, I mean, the digital revolution has changed the industry several times over. I mean, we've gone from, you know, um, having our music on CDs to downloads to Napster to, you know, iTunes. And now we're in this world of streaming. And the consumer has really embraced streaming as a way to consume music. The problem is... Um, is that they no longer look at recorded music as a product. It's not something you go out and purchase anymore, which hurts the independent artists, I think, more than any other segment of the industry. Um, how has this, this shift in perception affected you as an artist? Well, it affects everyone because, you know, we, 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 we live in a time now where you put, Say, for instance, if you had 15 songs on a CD, people's attention span is short. I, I don't know if they would listen to all 15 of those songs. 
You know, that's why streaming and downloading has changed a lot of things because sometimes people uh, hear a song by a group and say, I like that song. And they'll just download that song. Not even the CD, just that song. So it has changed the industry. Uh, I'm going to say for the better because at least people are listening to you. And, and the more you are seen and heard, you know, the more people will get into you. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say the streaming and the downloading has hurt the industry. I think it is, it's another avenue. Right. Well, and I agree. I mean, there's one thing that, that streaming has done. It's given the independent artists access to a huge potential fan base that they can yes. reach. That's worldwide. Yes. You know, the only thing is is the compensation. I don't think really was the comp. Some of the compensation is definitely not right. Right, and they they have to work on that and make sure that the artist truly gets what they deserve instead of getting what someone is okay. Like okay, just take this. You know, instead of that, you know, if you, you should the artist should be getting what they deserve. And some artists just are not getting what they deserve. And I, but I that's also agree. a part of the business, sadly enough. Well, you know, and and I think what's happening is is that not only are the artists not getting what they deserve, but if you think about it, when you devalue recorded music, you're affecting engineers and studio owners and side guys and you know all of that infrastructure that supports you know, musicians going in and recording music. So, you know, the whole music industry middle class is getting, taking a huge hit financially Yes. by this, you know, uh, and so what we have happening in the streaming world and the way they're compensating independent artists is not sustainable. You know what I mean? Not at all. I mean, if they're going to do it, they should try to, they should, you should at least do it right. Right. If the artist is not prospering from it like the artist should, then then there is something really wrong that needs to be changed. Now, you know, as I look back at the digital revolution, you know, I saw how Napster came out with the whole file sharing thing. And, of course, you know, the industry was in an uproar. What are we going to do about Napster? And then, of course, iTunes comes around. And, all right, people can now buy music through, you know, Apple. And then, you know, with the iPod. And, of course, that fizzles out. And then, of course, streaming with Spotify comes up. And, you know, the consumer now embraces that. So it's constantly evolving And I see the next evolution coming down the pike, which is this whole world of streaming on the blockchain, which is the same technology used in Bitcoins. And they're claiming that not only is this new system decentralized where no one company can control it, but they're also saying that they're going to pay artists up to 90% of the incoming revenue. And I think that may be the the answer as we move forward, as long as the record companies don't go in there and screw it up, you know? I agree. And I hope that that happens, because that really needs to happen. uh, You know, artists, they they go in the studio, they go out live, 
and they are, they are giving their blood, sweat, and tears, and time, time away from their families. You know, it, it's you know what I mean. It, it's um, it would be nice if it if it's done correct. And I I definitely agree. You know, we need to kind of um, band together and and just kind of say, hey, you know, this is where we need to go, and we need to be paid fairly for our work. You know what I mean? I think that's something that we 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 should look at. Is as you know, you have Naris out there, you know, pushing for that kind of, um, uh, um, I guess, uh, camaraderie or support with each other, um, and a few other organizations. So you know, we need to kind of stick together as musicians and say, hey, this is where we need to go. You know? Yes, I agree. Now, when the pandemic hit. One of the things, um, a lot of artists started scrambling, saying, all right, how are we going to make money? And they started going up and doing live stream shows on the Internet, Facebook Live, Instagram Live, TikTok, whatever the case may be. And all of a sudden, the fans started to realize, oh, that's their living room or, you know, this is their porch or this is where they live. And and then the artists started to realize, hey, you know, the fans like this. They like to know about me beyond the music. And they started to kind of letting the fans in on, you know, whether they hike or they're, you know, these are my puppies or kittens or, you know, just like everyone else on, on social media. And they realized that, the brand now has become the new product and they started using social media almost like a reality show to kind of give their fans that inside track into who they are as people. What are some of the things that you're doing to kind of help you establish your brand through, you know, social media and through content? Well, during during the, the beginning of the pandemic, as I call it, um, you know, everything was, the rug was pulled completely from every musician in the world. Some industries were able to continue to function during the, pand- the pandemic. Some weren't. The music industry was completely shut down. So the streaming thing opened another door. But I always knew, uh, I did a few streaming with the group Dumpster Fump. Uh, the very first one was very weird. And everyone, every, every time that we did it, it was great. Great performances, but weird. Because you used of a, you know, when you in a song, you used to the crowd clapping. And, you know, when you're streaming, you, the end of the song, dun, 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 Right, nothing. And that's what you hear. Yeah, quiet. So it, 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 I, I knew it was going to catch on because people would, you know, they want to see, they want, they want to hear music, they want to see live music, but we can't do it because of you know the pandemic. And then things got better, and um, <clears throat> twenty twenty one came around. We started doing more shows, and uh, it was kind of scary. And you know, then the vaccine started. And, I had I wanted to make sure that I had it because I'm not as old as I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. 
so so I wanted to make sure that I'm you know up to par with the vaccines. So then 21 passed, and we did a lot of gigs, and it was it's okay. And now things are getting a little better this year. I'm about to go out on tour. Still a little scary because this COVID thing is nowhere near over. No, and a lot of people think that it is over, and it is nowhere near over. Uh, I'm going to be vigilant. I'm going to keep my mask on as much as I possibly can everywhere that I go. Um, doing the Jazz Fest this year, I did the Jazz Fest in New Orleans. Uh, you know, doing Jazz Fest, you, you can play with other people in other configurations of different musicians and make some decent money. And that's the only time you can do that down in New Orleans is doing Jazz Fest, you know, because people, they are coming to see you. So, you know, I made pretty decent money, but it was scary. You know, you're up and close on people and ain't nobody wearing a mask. And, you know, because a lot of people are like, oh, it's over with. But it, it's not. It's not over with. I hate to say this. I would love to be wrong. But I just think it's going to pick up again. Well, I Cases are going to pick up everywhere. I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, I mean, look at the flu. You know, the flu was a pandemic in 1918, and we're still getting, yes. you know, flu vaccines yes. every year. That's right. That's right. So this this pandemic, uh, as I like to say, this pandemic is not going anywhere anytime soon. It's going to be here for years and years to come. I hate to say that. I would love to be wrong. I would love to be proven wrong. But I just feel like it's going to be here. I, I have a feeling you're right, um, that it's going to be here for a while yet. Um, so I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. Um, My pleasure, man. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there in Indie Blues double shot from your new release. And uh, you guys are going to love this. You know what? Turn it up loud. Screw the neighbors. We're going to have some fun tonight. <laughs>
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Shout now, honey. Gonna 